Welcome to Shorties, a short true crime story. Happy Friday, Ashley. Happy Friday. <laughs> I feel really bad saying that. This this uh, story is tough. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, they all are in their own magical way. This one, for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, I think it becomes pretty evident why. Um, it's just a hard pill to swallow. It's a tough one. So do you want me to jump in? Well, what is it? Who is it? I'll, okay. It's You'll the, tell me when you jump? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you when I jump. <laughs> okay. Jump no, in then. It, it's the story of Michelle Wilkins. I don't know it. So I and, guess I guess you should have just jumped in. And, and perhaps, yeah, I think you will. It's no secret that having a baby is very expensive. The clothes, the crib, diapers, and on top of that, your own body is growing at such a rapid rate that you have to buy a whole new wardrobe. So when 26-year-old Michelle Wilkins saw an ad on Craigslist for free maternity clothes, she jumped on it. She was seven months pregnant and she could no longer fit in any of her old clothing. So she texted the number. The ad was posted by 35-year-old Danelle Lane and when she received a text saying, would love to have, belly is bigger than ever, she sent over her address. The next day on March 18th, 2015, Michelle went over to Danelle's house to look through the clothing. The conversation was pleasant. They talked about their partners, pregnancy, and thrift shopping. Michelle picked up on the vibe that Danelle was pretty lonely. Every time she tried to leave and say goodbye, Danelle would talk over her to keep the conversation going. Oh, I, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Can't read a room. My social nightmare. I kind of do the equivalent where like if, uh, not the equivalent maybe, but like if there is um, just a moment of silence, I have to fill it with conversation. Yeah. So that's like the next worst thing um, after what she's doing. Sure. <laughs> Danelle wasn't picking up on any of the very obvious social cues. So finally, Michelle just opened the door to leave. As soon as she opened the door, Danelle pushed it shut. Slightly alarmed, she turned around to walk away, and that's when Danelle hit her in the back and then started, like, scratching and pulling at her sweater, and it was, like, more, like, naggy and weird than violent, Oh! and Michelle recalled asking if there had been a spider on her, to which Danelle replied, I think I got it. Oh, wait. (laughs) So it's like she slams the door and then violent, but not so violently like. That Michelle was like, oh, I'm being attacked. She literally thought like, she just felt, she said that she recalled just her sweater being pulled and like little scratching feelings at the back of her neck after being hit like once. So it was like soft enough that you could be possibly just killing a spider or a bug. Yeah. That's when Michelle was hit again. When she threatened to call the police, Danelle punched her repeatedly. The two women ended up wrestling as Michelle tried to stop Danelle from choking her. Danelle grabbed a glass bottle and smashed it over Michelle's head. Oh my God. Michelle kept yelling, why are you doing this? Before saying, I don't know why you're doing this, but I love you. Danelle replied, if you love me, you'll let me do this. Then stab Michelle in the neck with a piece of broken glass. And I don't know why she said I love you, but like when she, during trial, she made it clear that she had said that. I don't know if it was maybe to humanize her or to get her to snap out of the rage that she was in. Probably. It was, it, I mean, that was, it was interesting thinking. Michelle was terrified for her life, but even more terrified for the life of her unborn daughter. She never stopped thinking about her as she fought Danelle. The next thing she knew, 
Danelle pinned both of her arms beneath her knees and then pressed her hands against her throat, like with the the palm of her hand. Everything went dark as Michelle slipped out of consciousness. While Michelle was unconscious, Danelle spent over an hour cleaning up the blood that was around her. At one point, she shoved Michelle off of the bed so that she could take the bloody sheets off. When Michelle woke up, she was in excruciating pain. She knew she couldn't waste a single moment on that floor, and she willed herself to stand up. She quickly realized that her legs were unable to support her while she walked, but she was somehow able to close the bedroom door. She knew that it was like vital for her to close and lock that door. She explained that when she was trying to walk, she could feel her intestines outside of her body. Oh my God. I know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Let's take a second. Yeah. I just need a second. <laughs> Wait, what? It's a tough one. It's a when, zinger. When, 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 when did that part happen? Most likely when she was unconscious. Oh. She fell backwards onto the bed and searched for her phone. Michelle called 911 and explained to the dispatcher that she was seven months pregnant and that her stomach had been cut open. She stayed on the phone for six minutes while she begged for help. While Michelle waited for help, Danelle's partner, David Ridley, came home. He had left work early to take Danelle to a doctor's appointment. When he walked inside, he found her standing by the basement door with blood all over her hands. She explained to David that she had just given birth in the bathtub upstairs. David rushed up the stairs and found the fetus in the bathtub. He picked her up and cradled her, looking for any signs of life. David and Danelle rushed to Longmont United Hospital with the fetus in their arms. Danelle screamed, save my baby, save him, save him. Dr. Leslie Armstrong tried reviving the baby, but they were unable to restart her heart. The doctor informed the couple that they had a daughter and not a son before declaring the time of death. Doctors insisted on examining Danelle, but she refused any treatment. Longmont police officer Billy Sawyer was the first officer to arrive on the scene. He urged Michelle to apply pressure to her wounds to help with the bleeding. Officer Sawyer recalled her being completely covered in blood from head to toe. Michelle Wilkins was being taken to the hospital as Dr. Armstrong was explaining the dangers of bleeding to Danelle. A nurse approached Dr. Armstrong and informed her that a pregnant stabbing victim was being rushed to the hospital and she was only minutes away. Dr. Armstrong quickly moved Danelle and her partner David to another floor because she didn't want the couple to be traumatized any more than they already were. I mean, like for all she knows, this couple just lost a baby and a woman that is pregnant has been stabbed and is potentially going to lose her baby. So Dr. Armstrong just didn't want any of them to be exposed to it. After being moved, Danelle informed another doctor that she was in fact never pregnant, but instead was attacked by Michelle Wilkins. She explained that she had to kill her out of self-defense, but that she removed the fetus in an attempt to save its life. The fact that they just att- that this happened and then they're in the same hospital one floor away is insane to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, on another floor, the emergency room is being prepped for a pregnant woman with a gash across her stomach. Dr. Armstrong stated that Michelle was barely alive and that the wound was so massive that two doctors had both of their hands inside of her as they were trying to locate the source of the bleeding. And like when I read that, I was like, 
The whole thing is the source of the bleeding. If you, if, if you have enough root, the woman has four hands in her stomach. Like, what do you mean you're looking for the source? The whole thing is a source. Yeah. Michelle had known that her throat was slit, but she did not know about the gash that had been made across her stomach that had been made to steal her baby. She didn't know that at the time when she was at the house because she could barely look down. Sure. She just felt the sensation of things. Even after the baby's not in your belly anymore, your stomach is still that large. Exactly. A surgeon had made a note that the incision was done by a person that had very clearly studied and researched C-sections because of the level of accuracy. Whoa. Like she said it was like close to expert incision. That's crazy. By some sort of miracle, Michelle survived the attack and woke up the next morning. She was informed that she had lost her baby girl. The baby's name was going to be Aurora. On February 17th, 2016, District Attorney Stan Garrett said Danelle Lane had been lying to her long-term boyfriend about a fake pregnancy. She went so far as to name the baby James, as well as attend a baby shower. The December before, she had shown her family an ultrasound photo of a boy. According to Westward.com, Danelle had suffered the loss of a child in 2002 when her 19-month-old son drowned. She had been living in Pueblo County and went by the name of Danelle Smith at the time. She had been obsessed with being pregnant ever since. Defense attorneys claimed that Danelle never intended to kill Michelle, but rather made a hasty, impulsive, and reckless attack. Danelle pled not guilty to six felony counts, including unlawful termination of a pregnancy and attempted first-degree murder. She was found guilty of attempted first-degree murder, two counts of first-degree assault, two counts of second-degree assault, and unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and she received a 100-year sentence. According to the official report that was made by the Bounty County Coroner's Office, baby Aurora's death was a result of fetal demise and no other cause of death was listed. What is, does it just mean death fetal of death? Fe- fetal death, yeah. It wasn't listed as murder or anything. Um, and I don't, it's like according to Colorado law that basically she, the baby had never taken a breath outside of the being womb. In, out of her womb. So yeah. it was lo- it was just labeled fetal death versus, okay. um, you know, murder. Okay. Chief District Judge Maria Birkencotter stated that Danelle didn't show any signs of remorse for what she had done. She only expressed sympathy for the fact that baby Aurora was not able to live the life that she was meant to have. During the trial, Michelle very bravely took the stand to address Danelle directly. She said, quote, up to this very moment, you refuse to acknowledge us, the victims of your violent actions. I am a compassionate person. This is the foundation of the beliefs from which all others grow. It is clear that you need healing, and my sincere belief is that you'll get it. You embraced your narcissistic fantasy that fulfilled the lie that you created, and it was more important than my right to live and Aurora's right to live. Your inability to acknowledge the immense cruelty and evil you committed only proves you are not fit to walk free amongst us ever again. End quote. That was so brave. The, I don't even know. Did you, I'm sure she was crying, but I, I can't even imagine going through anything like that and then having the capacity, the capacity to even like agree to, to oh, I, I can't even imagine that. And it was also so eloquent and like worded yes, so perfectly. Yes. She's obviously a very intelligent and compassionate human being to yeah. even, oh, yeah. After the trial ended, Michelle felt uprooted from her old life. 
she moved back to her hometown in North Carolina for five years, and at the age of 31, she found her way back to Boulder County. She didn't want to run away from the source of her pain anymore, and she decided to face it head on. She has since changed her name to Ellie, and she has found that dancing, volunteering, acupuncture, and therapy have helped with the process of healing. She grieves the daughter that she lost and the life that they could have had every single day. And that is the survival story of Michelle, now Ellie Wilkins. That is terrifying. It's like a worst nightmare. I know that they argued, and they always argue this in a court case, that well, her intention was never to kill her. Mm-hmm. But was she really just giving away free clothes because she was nearing the end of her fake pregnancy? Or was she doing it as a to lure someone? Her intention was very much to lure somebody so that she could take their baby. Yeah. And the fact that she had, she'd been with her um, her partner for a very long time. And she had been consistently lying to him as well as posing in photos with like a fake belly, which we'll post on the Instagram. Like she stuck to it. She stuck to it hard. And I think because I don't know how, how, um, how long she claimed to have been pregnant. She, that was never said anywhere, but it had to have been like a couple of months. Yeah. And probably suspicious. I mean, as you get bigger, it's like, and then your partner sees you naked or, or not undressing or something. I know. (laughs) I don't know how you go about that. Yeah. Um, well, there's an episode of Glee. There's a few episodes. There's like a whole storyline in Glee. Oh, um, that's right. The the where the, the wife the is like pretty pre- blonde one. Yeah, she's pretending to be pregnant. Yeah, yeah. She's not away with it. There, well, no, she didn't. But there's oh, a whole. I didn't watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> and look, she got away with it. I'm just, just spreading false news. That's how rumors start on it. About a fake show, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Someone has bound to have done it, though. Oh, I that's that was my point. Is like people actually do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so you cannot argue that she did not have the intention of killing that person. Well, a- after I said that, then I remembered the detail about like how she studied cesarean section. Yes, it was. I think if anything, the studying of the C-section is what confirms that it was premeditated. Smoking gun. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, I think it, it's time to go get a cocktail. Yeah, or just like two or three. Or like two Sky's or three. Sky's the limit, really. The whole bottle. Yeah, don't don't set limits on yourself. No, 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 don't do that. Okay, bye. All right, love, love you. you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. To view detailed source material, as well as content from today, please visit us on Instagram and TikTok at Shorty's Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help with the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shorty's Podcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Ana Katarina.